This morning from Deuteronomy, beginning the first verse of chapter 26. When you've come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. This is the word of God for the people of God. Moses was the man who led the people on the exodus out of Egypt. He felt this call of God upon his life. He had left Egypt. He went back and worked with the Pharaoh, and God worked through him, and the people were delivered. This was a great turning point in the story of the Hebrew people and their God, and in fact, for all humanity, understanding God, as if that is not enough. Moses was also utilized by God to deliver the Ten Commandments and all the laws and ordinances by which the people were going to live. They all were aiming toward helping this fleeing refugee people be shaped and formed into a nation who lived with God and before God. Now, we've only read a very brief section. This is a much longer section of teaching that Moses does this section opens up in Deuteronomy 5, all the way back in chapter 5. I want to read you a few of those verses where Moses begins this speech. Moses convened all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and ordinances that I'm addressing to you today. You shall learn them and observe them diligently. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Not with our ancestors did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here, alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the fire. 
At that time, I was standing between the Lord and you to declare to you the words of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then he goes on and lays out the other nine of the Ten Commandments and then extends the teaching to ordinances and prescriptions and prohibitions about how these people are to live together and live before God as a holy nation, as a covenant people. But these are also instructions for us so that we might know how to live together and live before God as a faithful people. It was important for them to learn how to live together in the ways of God. It's equally important for us to learn these things as well. Out of all this vast teaching that you can read about in Deuteronomy, Moses focuses on a particular portion out of the, in this 26th chapter that we read. What Moses addresses today is the importance of giving. The importance of giving. First off, Moses makes so very clear that our God is a God that gives to us first. Our God gives to us first. In just those 11 verses, as I was reading through them, did you notice how many times that's repeated? I counted six different times where Moses says, God has given you this. Did you hear it? It was in the very first verse. He starts with it and he ends with it. But in that first verse, you heard him say, when you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then at the end, then you together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. Moses wants the people to understand that God is a giver and that God has given to us before we ever do anything. That God is the creator of all that is, of all the world and all that is in it. If we are thinking about what we have accumulated as all our own, we have not understood this foundational teaching that when we showed up, the world was already here. We did not create it. God created it. And there were gifts waiting for us that we could use, that we could be trustees and stewards of. But as Christians, we work hard at remembering that God is the giver of all good things. And we are the recipients of those gifts. Moses goes on to say, because of that relationship with God, they are to give back. Once they recognize that God is the giver of the gifts, then they realize that God also commands us to give a portion back. Six times I counted Moses saying God is a giver. And then six more times he talks about our role in giving back. He says it by saying you shall. In verse 2 he says you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground and then a little bit later in the same verse, you shall put it in a basket. And then in the third verse, you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time. 
Then on down, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord. And then finally in that last verse, you shall celebrate and with all the people with you, all the bounty that the Lord has given to you and to your house. Moses tells his people and tells us who God is and how God works. That God is the creator and from the very beginning has been a God of blessing but Moses also points out that if they want to be God's people in this loving covenant human divine relationship that they need to be givers as well he says that's how the relationship works best when we have these things in proper perspective life will work best for us these commandments are just like all the other commandments They are given to us from God as a blessing. They're given to us as guidance for living so that we might understand how life works best. The commandments are given for our welfare. God is sharing through Moses how life works best for us. And it works best for us because it aligns us with the creator and the sustainer of the universe. Let's look at three different ways this works. First, it aligns us with God best because it helps us put God first in our thinking and our behavior. There's a theme that runs throughout Scripture that humans struggle because they so often put the material above the spiritual. That it's so very easy for us to get focused on physical and material things that we overlook the importance of spiritual things. Often in Scripture, the specific example they give are money who get focused on people who get focused on money or mammon, as it says sometimes, or riches. That we can so easily get focused on that that we allow that to take first place in our lives rather than God. But Scripture points out that money will fail us because it is temporal. Money will come and go. But we can count on God because God is eternal. And God will be with us forever. Scripture doesn't condemn us having money or using money. It simply says that money in its proper place can do good things for us and for the world. But money in first place ends up causing us to be the servant of it rather than a servant of God. Giving the first fruits of our income to God helps us put money in its proper place by putting God first. Secondly, Giving the first fruits aligns us with the image of God in which we were created. We've just been talking about Moses says God is a giver. But we must remember we're created in God's image. So when we are givers, that clarifies our identity and magnifies the role of God in our lives. So often, as humans, rather than grounding our identity in God, 
and remembering that we are children of God, we allow our identity to be defined by material things. I bet you've had this experience or at least seen someone like this who felt like they had to have the latest gadget or the newest car or the fanciest house because their identity, their value and worth as they saw it, were so closely tied to those material things. I can remember growing up when I had that feeling if I didn't get the newest, latest haircut, I just wouldn't fit in. I would be less valuable as a human being. If I didn't have the newest jeans, I might not belong or have value or be seen as worthy. But it's not just growing up. I have those same tendencies that I think all humans struggle with. I see them when I think, oh, I need to have a newer car or a fancier house or more of this or more of that to feel worthy. But our faith reminds us over and over again that as children of God, as Christians, Our identity is not to be determined by our material possessions. But our identity is in Christ. Our identity is beloved children of God. And if that's our core identity and we connect with that, then that frees us to be givers to fulfill this image of God in which we're created if we allow our faith to remind us of our true identity as a child of God, it changes then the way we deal with possessions. Therefore, every time we give the first fruits, it reminds us that our identity is given by God. Given by a God who is a giver. A God that we can trust. A God who will provide for us. If only we will allow it and align ourselves with life the way he has laid it out. There's a third way that giving aligns us with God. When we are giving, then we are a part of the mission and work of God in the world. Now this passage doesn't go into that in very much depth. But as Christians, when we think of Jesus Christ and when he was talking about commandments, you remember he said there is a great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, he said, hang all the other commandments. These two we need to be clear about, love of God and love of neighbor we are clear about our relationship with God and clear that God loves us, then we're able to love others. 1 John says it like this. We love because God first loved us. We're able to love our brothers and sisters because God first loved us and we understand that that love came through Christ for all so we can think of giving in the same way we give because God first gave to us 
we give to our brothers and sisters because we know God is giving to us in the name of Christ that we might share the gifts with others so they might also come to know the love of God that's been revealed to the world through Jesus Christ. A couple of months ago when I was thinking about our commitment campaign and our stewardship and how we might do better, what might help us think through how we make decisions about giving. I thought of a story I heard years and years ago. I was trying to remember the first time I heard it. I think I was in college. It's a story about a small village of people in sort of an out-of-way place. But they heard that the king was going to visit their town. They got very excited about that. And then they, somebody said, we should have a gift to give to the king. And they began to try to figure out what could they give that would be worthy of the king. Well, they lived in a part of the country that was rich with grapes, and they made wine. And somebody suggested, what if we all brought the best cup of our wine and we put them all together it would be a one-of-a-kind gift an exquisite wine that nobody had ever had before and we could present it to the king and everybody said they thought it was a marvelous idea but then one man before he brought his cup of his best wine thought what if i just fill mine halfway up i bet nobody will notice another thought what if I bring some inferior wine? No one will know it's my best or not. I'll do that. A third calculated, if I fill my cup with water, who's going to be the wiser? Maybe some others can afford to bring their best, but not me. And so one by one, all the families began to bring their cups to the village square and climb up on the platform and pull it into the cask that they had set there, preparing for the king. Finally, the king came. The great day had arrived. Everyone gathered to see what the king would think of their wonderful gift. The silversmith had been appointed to bring out the best goblet in all the village and fill it ceremoniously and offer it to the king, which he did. Then the king took a long drink. And then all of a sudden, spat it out. For the water that so many brought had diluted the wine. And an inferior wine that others had brought had soured the water. All of them had missed the point. All of them had failed to come through as they had said that they would. The villagers all made their decisions based on material calculations they missed the spiritual foundation Moses puts us on such solid ground in terms of understanding who God is and who we are and how this relationship works best and he says once you understand that God is giving to you then you are free to give back and then after you do that it's time to all celebrate all the bounty that God has given you and your house. Amen. And thanks be to God.